0: pray with me. Jesus, thank you for this time together this morning. And God, we invite you not only to speak to us, God, but to transform us. Lord, I pray that not only would you renew our minds, but you would strengthen our spirits. God, I pray that you would move in us in such a way that change takes place in our lives today. So God, though you may challenge us to take small steps or big steps. Lord, I pray that we would take a step toward you today and that ultimately you would be glorified and honored. We thank you for the grace that has been dispensed to us and may we walk in that strongly today. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Well, we are, we've been talking about the trek And uh, that is a discipleship program that we are launching out. And there are brochures out there. You see uh, big posters out there. There's all kind of information uh, about different ways that you can be involved and be discipled and learn and grow. And uh, so we want to encourage you to pick up uh, one of these brochures and look at it. And uh, there are five uh, areas that we are offering to help people grow in their faith and to strengthen their relationship with Christ, and so we invite you to pick that up. This tells you all about it. This gives you all the different classes, everything that you could possibly take through the week, uh, whether that's on Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, in the mornings, the evenings. We want to encourage you to prayerfully consider uh, growing and strengthening your faith, and we believe this is a great tool, a great opportunity uh, for you to help be to help facilitate you as you go through that process with Christ. So as we we share that, uh, if you want to turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter two, the book of Philippians chapter two, verse five, Philippians chapter two, verse five, and we're going to deal with the old question: uh, when we experience the salvation of Christ and we have trusted Christ. We are to live a life uh, that demonstrates Jesus. We're to live a life, if you wanted to use a technical term, this means sanctification, that we're going through the process of becoming more like Christ. And the age-all question, is that something that God does or is that something that we do? And a lot of people would say, you know, I think you really got to work hard. You got to earn that. You got to earn your salvation. We'll see a verse here in just a moment where it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And so you need to be really good, make sure you put a lot of effort, and make sure that you're good. And some people would say, you know, I accept Christ and whatever I become, that's up to him. I'm not, you know, it's just all him, he, he does it all, so it doesn't really matter what I think. God's elected me, he's predetermined how I'll be, and so what does it matter what I do? And the truth is, Dallas Willard, who was a great, great scholar, he was professor at Uh, University of Southern California for a long time and just died a few months ago. Great guy. Wrote a great book on spiritual disciplines. Wrote a a, a lot of great books. But um, he said this. He said, uh, grace is never opposed to effort. (laughs) Grace is never opposed to effort. We are saved by grace through faith by the person of Jesus Christ. And it's true we couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. We just can't get it. Christ has rescued us. But we are to work that out with fear and trembling, we'll see, as the Scripture says. And so it's a joint venture, so to speak. It's a partnership that we do with Christ. And so, um, and one other thing, I think that's worth noting here, when we hear that word salvation... If, if you grew up with a background I did, you heard it a lot, salvation. And the word literally means in the Hebrew and in the Greek, to rescue, to rescue. out. So we often talk about salvation as a one-time event. And, and I understand what you're, what you're saying there. A lot of people will talk about the day they got saved, okay? And maybe a better way semantically to think about that <clears throat> is this. There is a conversion time in our life. There's a time where we come to the realization that we need Christ and we make a decision of our own accord to follow him and to trust him as our Lord and Savior. Okay, so we make that decision to trust him. And that might you might call that your conversion experience, so to speak, okay? Kind of like Paul had on the Damascus Road. So there's a time where we... And that's one of the reasons that we practice what we call believer's baptism because the time that you come to that place where you have made the decision, the personal commitment to Christ to follow him, all right? So we might call that your conversion. But salvation is a process. Salvation means when we accept Christ, we commit our life to Christ, we are saved from the penalty of sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wages, the cost of sin is death. Death eternal apart from God. Okay, so that's the penalty of sin. So we're saved from that penalty when we trust Christ as our Savior. We're saved by grace, and that penalty is removed. But we are also, through the power of the Holy Spirit, being saved from the power of sin right now. We were being saved from the power of sin. So what do I mean by that? Well, it doesn't mean that you don't sin. It doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. But it means that we are not controlled and dominated by sin, okay, by the sin of our life. We may struggle with sin, but it is not to control us. And the Holy Spirit is continually convicting us. It is continually empowering us to overcome the power of sin. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean there's not an effort on our part. But it is empowering us in that it is possible and that that is God's desire to empower us and to save us from the power of sin. And one day, we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Right now, we live amongst sin, our sin in our lives, and we'll always have sin in our lives until we die. But one day, we'll be completely removed from the presence of sin. So, we've been saved from the penalty, we're being saved on a continual basis from the power, and one day we'll be saved from the presence. And that's what we mean when we say salvation is a process, okay? So, uh, and again, if you're like me, if you grew up with, about, with a different background, uh, you, you kind of heard, you got saved. There was the day you experienced salvation, and, and there's, there's truth to that, not discounting that. I'm saying it's much more than that you are being rescued, okay? Uh, Hopefully, you've been converted, but you are on a continual growth path of salvation. If not, then you're stuck. That's one of the things we want to talk to you about today, about moving on and not staying stuck in the power and the grips of sin. All right, with that understanding, let's begin reading our text in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with the fifth verse. Make your attitude that of Christ Jesus. He's Encouraging us, this is the attitude I want you to have. Paul is speaking, and he's about to quote a few verses here that a lot of scholars believe was the song of the day. It was the doctrine. It was the amazing grace of Paul's day that they would sing this as a hymn, this poem, so to speak, or they would recite it, or they would chant it. Uh, it was kind of a hymn that they would sing that was a testimony of their faith. And here's how it goes. And you've heard it before. As a matter of fact, there are little courses that have been written, uh, at least with part of this text. Jesus Christ, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. And the better translation would be retaining his status, retaining. did not feel like he had to retain his God-likeness because he's going to give it up. Uh, for uh, for us instead he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave taking on the likeness of men and when he had come as a man in his external form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even to death on a cross for this reason god has highly exalted him and has given him the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and earth and under earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every day, one day, every every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. But God is so desiring that you would do that today. You don't want to wait till one day. Today's the day that we recognize who he is and that we bow the knee and that we worship him, that we confess him. So then, my dear friends, just as you have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's that term. Work out your salvation. Remember, again, he's not talking about earning it. He's not talking uh, uh, about there's something that you're going to inherently do and that will give you a, a conversion, so to speak. He's saying, you know what? I want you to work out the gift that has been given to you. I want you to flesh it out. I want you to be discipled. I want you to become a follower of mine. I want you to live a life that does what? As we went back to the beginning, it makes our attitude like that of Christ Jesus as referenced in verse 5. For it is God who is working in you and enabling you both to will and to act for His good purpose. For His purposes. For His glory. Great passage. Great message for us today. Great thing for us to remember. You know, there was a woman named Georgia Johnson up in Cleveland, Ohio, who entered a race. She had been training for a 10K. She had run a couple other shorter races, and now she was ready to run a 10K. And so she's training for it. So it's the day of the race. She goes downtown Cleveland where the race is transpiring and about to happen. And so she goes down there. And um, she lines up, she's stretching, she's got her number, she's all ready to go. She hears some kind of report, she can't make all of it out, but she sees all the runners moving. So she moves with, she moves in, and she gets in the line, takes off, the gun sounds, she takes off, she's running. And she's running. and she's feeling good because she's trained well for this 10K. She's trained hard. she feels very confident. she's not expecting to win, but she's ex- expecting to finish strong. <clears throat> and so she's running. And she said, you know, it, it just seemed a little longer than it had normally been. And so uh, after about eight or nine miles, she, she asked the guy next to her, she goes, um, are we going to be turning around and going back anytime soon? Do you know what's going on here? And, and he just looked at her like she's kind of crazy. And then she saw uh, just, a little while, just a little bit later, she sees mile marker 10. Well, if you know anything about a 10K, it's not 10 miles. That's 6.2 miles. She's now at the 10-mile marker, and she realizes what's happened. She's in a marathon, which is 26.2 miles. 10K, 6.2 miles. A marathon, 26.2 miles. She's got an additional 20 miles on this race. And here's the deal. Um, Her race was supposed to start about 30 minutes later. So they often do They Send the people in the marathon on, then, then the 10K people, 5K, the 1K for me, or whatever it is, uh, then, you, then you show up, okay? But she's left with the 26.2-mile people, all right? Some of you, a couple of you in here have done that kind of thing to yourself. Uh, and so she's on her way, and she's got a decision to make. You know, I can just quit because I didn't sign up for this thing. <laughs> I didn't train for this thing. This is not what I expected, not what I paid for. <laughs> Thank you very much. I didn't pay for it. Y'all need to get your, your speaker system clear because I didn't hear very well. I missed it, and now I'm in this 26.2-mile race, and I've never driven this, I've never ridden this far or, uh, on a bike, much less I'm, I've not run this. And So she got a decision right, and she decides, you know what? I'm here. <laughs> it's a long way back. Now I'm already, t- I'm almost half through, <laughs> You know, and it's it's just about as far to walk back, so I'm just going to go as far as I can. And the amazing thing is she kept going and she finished the race. Now maybe you're here this morning and you found yourself in the faith race, so to speak, and you kind of signed up to just do church. You know, I signed up for the 5K, thank you very much. am not here to serve. I'm not here to do anything else. I'm here to check the box and go. And Maybe you're here and you said, you know, well, you know, I I want to connect a little more. I I I I want to do a 10k. But I'm not ready for all of this. I want to ask you to pray and say, God, I want to ask you to equip me and empower me to do something I can't do on my own that I don't think that I can do. God, I, I want to know you and I want to finish this race strong, this race of life that you have given me. But God, I'm going to need you to empower me. And I want to take the blinders off, and I want to take the limitations off. I want to invite you to pray something like that today. We are much more capable of doing more than we ever thought or expected, and God has immeasurably more, the Scripture says, than we could hope or ask. The question is, are we stepping up to the plate? Are we starting the race? Discipleship is required for us to know Christ and to know his power. And it's a cost. There's a cost to it. Anybody who tells you different is lying to you. There's always a cost. And it causes our participation. But transformation happens when we recognize the commitment and the cost. And we say, God, I'm in. I'm going to show you a couple of slides of landscaping. I'm, If you're like me, I don't know, you're probably not like me. I'm not much of a landscaper. And I remember when I bought my first house, um, and this actually isn't it, but it looks kind of like my first house. And I kid you not, this looks almost exactly like my yard. I didn't have any grass in my backyard. I I don't know, back in those days uh, when I bought a house, they didn't put grass in your backyard. All right, so I got this big amount of dirt back there. and, And the only thing worse than this is it had about that long, and then the second half of my yard went straight down, just like that. So this is really, my yard didn't look this good, and, and I'm not exaggerating. This is what my yard looked like. And, you know, when we come to Christ, this is often what, this is kind of a visual uh, of what our life spiritually looks like. It's kind of barren. There's not a lot going on. Maybe we've got it cut down, and there's not a lot of weeds showing up, but there's not a lot there. But, you know, through the process of discipleship, through the process of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives and growing us, a transformation can take place. And it is amazing, in just a month, this is what this yard looked like. We've got a guy that's a landscaper in our, in our uh, church. I'm not doing his business, so I won't tell you his name. Uh, but this is literally what he did in a month with that yard. Now, I'm not promising you the same spiritual results in 130 days, okay? It's not what I'm doing. But what I am saying is I want you to see a visual of what Christ can do. We can get so used to our yard just being okay, you know? Um, there's, there's not anything sticking up out of our yard. Or it's just basic. But man, when someone who knows what they're doing, and we're, invel- and we're uh, invested in it, we're willing to put the time in, we're willing to put the cost in, we're willing to participate, that's very reachable. That level is very reachable. I would tell you that's true in your faith. And That's one of the reasons that we put the trek together. It's one of the reasons that Gene and Matthew and Randy have worked so hard to put this together. And let's talk about some practical ways that we can be a part of it, that we can take that step of growth in our lives. We talked about it earlier about worship. I want to invite you to prioritize public worship. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that forsake not the gathering together of yourselves as some have done. But it encourages us to come together to worship in the ecclesia in the church body. There's something that happens when we come and we worship together as one body. As we receive communion together as one body. As we Witness believers' baptism as others come into faith, as we serve together. The Spirit works in our lives. So I want to encourage you this year to make a commitment to public worship. Number two, commit to your private time of worship. Commit to your private time of worship. What do I mean by that? Is there a time where you are engaged with God in prayer? And hopefully, the, the study of His Word. Is there a specific time and a place in the morning, at night? in your car on the way to work if not I want to encourage you to take that step and say God I commit to worship you each day I'm going to have a conscious time that I worship you in prayer and in study number three I want to encourage you to make a blessing list I know you might think oh big deal blessing list what blessings do I have you know I just got back from Ecuador uh, two weeks ago and I was just again reminded of how incredibly blessed matter of fact one of the places I went to was the Amazon jungle, and it's still like it was about 3,000 years ago. It's, it's, it's just remarkable uh, how much they don't have. And I would just I came back, and I realized, as I was thinking through my blessings, God, thank you for electricity. Thank you, God, for clean water. Do you realize most of the world doesn't have clean water? Thank you, God, for food. Thank you, God... Uh, for air conditioning. Oh, thank you, Lord, for air conditioning. Oh, man, you have no idea. We're about 40 miles from the equator. Um, and and, and well, you know, we just go outside today about two or three and sit out there for an hour or two and wonder if you're blessed and realize that most of the world doesn't have an air conditioning house to go into. And we just take that for, for granted, don't we? I, I, you know, for me, I, got, I have to go to a third world country every other year so I can just be a pastor. You know what I mean? If not, I just get used to this. As, as one of my children said, you know, I can get this mindset. Dad, do you realize we have less toys than anybody else on our street? <laughs> no one else on our street in Lantana has as little toys as we do. And I laugh and think, <laughs> you got no clue, kid. But I think sometimes God's laughing at us when we're complaining about some of the things we're whining and complaining about. So I encourage you. To make a list of the things you're thankful for. I I have some stories I'd love to tell you to make you feel bad. I'd love to tell them too, but we don't have time right now. But be thankful for the house that you have. Be thankful for everything that you've got. And make a list and just give thanks. Uh, Get into your relationships, into your family, into the basics, and just see how enormously blessed you are. That's a way to worship and praise God. In church, I want to encourage you to make a commitment to, to church this year. If this is not the church you need to be in, then find the one you need to be in. But uh, contribute and, um, and make a difference. But I want to ask you to start to be involved and be committed. First of all, uh, starting point. We're doing that next week right there in that room over there at 11 o'clock. If you've never become a part of this church body, I, I want to encourage you to come hear our doctrine, come hear what we're about. And then if God leads you, you don't have to, but God leads you, then become a part. Now, I, know a lot, I know it's real popular to say, I, I don't, I don't, I don't you know, really belong to any church. I just go to churches. Well, you know... That's the same mentality that your teenagers have uh, about, about their commitment to, a lot of times to, to the family, you know? I just eat here. I just come and I watch TV here and I get money from you and I get taken care of. That's, that's what I'm here for. You take care of me and I'll do what I feel like doing. That's a real, forgive me for saying, it's a real immature line of thinking. We live in a culture that is anti-commitment and, and that's one of the reasons that when we talk about discipleship, it sounds like a foreign concept. So I want you to pray about that. Number two, small group. Involve yourself in a small group. We have small groups so that you can develop relationships into the point of what we call 2 a.m. friends. If something happens in your life, you've got relationships, spiritual relationships that can pray for you and that can minister to you. I was talking to one of the families in our church, and they were telling me this morning how much their small group had ministered to them during this time in their life where one of their... Uh matter of fact, where his spouse has just had surgery. I, I, we really want to encourage you to be a part of a small group. And that information is out there. Uh, we would love to, Randy or uh, any of the folks would love to walk you through that process and get, get you plugged in. And number three, uh, involve yourself in a ministry. And we'll talk more about this in the days ahead. But I just think those are vital, uh, of vital importance. Number three, competence. Competence in, in, in what we know and understand of the scripture. Now, there is a book here. And there are a lot of great ones, and we are not profiting from this. matter of fact, we're paying more than we're charging you. But for a $10 donation, if you don't have $10, you get 5 If you don't have 5 just pick one up. Uh, but it's 30 days to understand the Bible. You don't need this if you have a pretty good understanding of the Old Testament, New Testament, the difference between the Gospels. You don't need that. This. this is very elementary, okay? But, but some of you, this would be a great piece. You go, well, I want to read the Bible, but I don't even know what that thing's about. I don't even get the big difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And why are there four gospel writers? And who wrote those and then these others? And who where do all those things happen? And those places you're talking about, I don't even know where are those where is Israel and Judah? What's the difference? If you can answer those questions, you don't need this. If you can't answer those questions, I want to encourage you to pick it up. And in 15 minutes a day, for 30 days, you would have a good understanding of the Bible. Okay? So encourage you to do that. That's just a place to start. And uh, again, in Trek, we'll be covering a lot of things, but this is maybe even pre-Trek just to kind of get yourself acquainted with what the scripture is. Bible studies, we offer some great Bible studies. Again, those are listed. Spiritual disciplines, we're going to teach you about that in the Trek. I just think those are just so important for us connecting to Christ. And so uh, I encourage you to consider that. Uh, The next area is a contribution. How are you contributing to the kingdom of God? Certainly there's giving, there's tithing, Uh, But also there's serving. Ted talked about that this morning. Where are you serving? Where are you plugging in with the talents that God has given you? The experience, the passion, the spiritual gifts. Look at the needs before you and say, God, where is it you want me to be? And then lastly, outreach. Outreach. How, How do I reach out to others? How do I help others? Well, one thing I'd encourage every believer to do is just sit down and write out their testimony. Write down how you came to Christ, where you were in your life, and then when did the transformation, when did the change, when did the commitment to faith begin in your life? And just write that down so that you're able to share that story. We're going to have classes that you can take in the track that teach you how to share your faith. Another challenge I would encourage you to, to take is to pray for someone who's not church, someone who doesn't know Christ. Maybe they're in your family, maybe they're your neighbor, maybe they're a friend. But who is it that you're praying for? That if I ask somebody in your family to know, well, he's praying or she's praying for so-and-so. And then I want to take this challenge in the next two weeks. Invite someone to either come to church with you or to come uh, to some kind of other event, whether it be Feed the Hunger, whether it be Hands Across the Community, there are so many great opportunities. Who are you going to invite? And then lastly, we're not going to spend a lot of time. I, I really want to encourage you to commit to a mission experience. Uh, you know, we do some in South Dallas. We do some locally. We do some overseas. And uh, Matthew Harding is now heading up our international missions. We've got Haiti. Uh, we've got uh, Belize. There are several other places you're going to be hearing from a couple of our missionaries over the next couple of weeks. Pray about God sending you to one of those places and you going. Uh, I wish I had more time to tell the whole story, but I, one of my children, we took to Belize last year, and um, they, I, your kids are not like my kids, and your grandkids aren't like my, your kids, because, see, I personally have to do a lot more spiritual oppression, so my kids have meltdowns, uh, but I'm sure yours don't, but, um, but mine do. And this was one time uh, on this trip that my, my kid did have a milk, meltdown, and I remember going back to my room just kind of depressed, just thinking... Gee, whiz, I guess he was too young. I shouldn't have brought him. Shoot, 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 shoot. God, can not work in this? And, you know. And then we got back. This was last summer, and you know, we had we had some sabbatical time. So we we went to the YMCA uh, in Denver uh, camp. It's great, great place for kids. All kind of fun things to do to hike and play horseshoes and putt putt and just something every day for kids. And he loved it. It was great. So we come back and we're talking about. Three or four weeks later, and I said, uh, tell, me about, tell me about your favorite part of vacation. Tell, tell me what was the best thing for you this summer in vacation. He thought, he goes, um, there's a problem when we were in Belize. I go, what? He goes, when we were in Belize, he goes, I thought you had a meltdown. and said, you wish we hadn't even brought you there. God, I know I said that stuff, but... You asked me what was best. He goes, that was the best thing for me. It was so good for me to see kids who didn't have a house like we did, didn't have enough food, who were poor, and for me to interact. He goes, that was the best thing, and I'll never forget it. I was thinking, God, thank you. Sometimes our kids are picking up things even when they're saying something else. You know what I mean? And the Holy Spirit just has to get them in the right frame of mind where they don't want to punish you for a few minutes. And, uh, I mean, can you hear it? Can I get an amen from somebody? I know most, half of you are going, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, it's because you have had kids. It was too long ago that you raised your kids, all right? But um, nevertheless, think about, involved. first of all, start with yourself. Think about where can I be plugged into a mission, uh, Again, I really want to encourage you to pray about your part in track. I want you to get that brochure out, look at it, think about it, pray about it. We, we would be happy to give you direction if you need it. But I want to encourage you today to take that next step with God. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, tells a story about ducks. He tells a story about these ducks that would waddle everywhere, and they would, every Sunday they would waddle to church. And they would get to church, and they'd waddle up the steps. They'd waddle down the aisle. They'd waddle to their pews. And there was a duck minister who would waddle up, and they would sing some duck songs. And then the duck pastor would get up, and he would preach. And he would preach great sermons, and he would say, Ducks everywhere, we have been given wings, and we can fly. And we don't need to be controlled or bound by the trees that are around us, by the walls that we see. God has given us wings. We can fly over those walls. We can fly over those trees. We don't have to be c- contained by a fence. We can fly out of those, beyond those fences. And some of those ducks would say, amen. That's right, right. Preach it, duck preacher. And they'd say, that's great. And then they would pray. And then they'd waddle out of their pews. And they'd waddle down the steps. And they'd waddle all the way home till they got their house. And then they'd waddle inside their house. Hey. Let's don't be the ducks that we just waddle around and we never take the wings that God has given us, the spirit that God has given us to make a difference in the world. Don't just say amen, quit waddling, and let's step up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you that while we were still sinners, you died for us. We're so grateful and so thankful. And we praise you this morning, Lord. As we receive the offering this morning, Lord, we do it as an act of worship to you and as an act of commitment to you, God. And if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that they'd come today and experience you as Lord and Savior. Father, if you're leading some to take the next step of faith, then, Lord, I pray that they'd step out, whether that's the trek or whether it's just to begin to serve, whatever it is, God, I pray that today we'd quit waddling. And we take that step in commitment to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.